0: Welcome to Therapy Extended. I'm Liza Young, and I have um, Ashley LeVlanc with me, who has courageously agreed to share her um, her experience—that's um, what you want to call it—her trauma, basically, traumatic experience of being in a domestic abusive relationship and marriage, and um, just to help others. You know, to hear her story and to know that they're not alone, and to to understand it better. So, Ashley, thank you so much for being willing to do this. I'm actually excited to be here. So, thank you for having me. I'm so glad. I um, Ashley, when when did when did we we were just talking about this a minute ago? But when how long ago was it when we kind of met through all of this? So it was
1: um, this happened July. I left for final July 4th, 2016. Okay. Okay.
0: It's been a minute. <laughs> it's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But what a journey. So maybe we can just start, you know, back when y'all first met and kind of um, maybe some of the, you know, the signs or things that kind of you notice when it started going south, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of start from the beginning for us.
1: So, we had one of the, the best dating experiences, um, which was one of the reasons it was so traumatic because it went from really, really good to really, really bad as soon as we got married. Um, we had a year of dating. We had one of the, the best love stories. I loved telling our love stories. Um, he was a widower, he had two boys. Um, I had been divorced, so I had two boys, and they both of our boys were the exact same ages at the same time. And we met, um, I was coaching his youngest son in baseball. So, and as for people who know me, know how much I love baseball. So to find my husband through what I love and I'm so passionate about um, was just one of the biggest love stories to me. So um, we had a year of dating. We were were very like careful about, you know, our kids getting to spend too much time together. Um, So we dated for about a year and then we got married. And the mental, emotional, verbal abuse literally started on our honeymoon. Um, wow. I know is very common now that I'm reading back. Um, so it was very confusing. But because of the blissful experience, um, I mean, I was literally head over heels in love. Um, and I had never been in the type of dating relationship where I wanted to be just everything to someone else. Um, I was out of Finally, I had a place in my life where I felt like I had had a long journey of healing and, you know, from different past things. So I was ready. (laughs) So um, it was all very confusing. But he had um, a traumatic experience with his first wife. He literally, um, she suffered from something called cardiac myopathy, where he um, lost her very suddenly and actually was the one to find her deceased in their bed. So it was very traumatic. So a lot of the, when I think back to different things that I made excuses for was because it was like, gosh, he, you know, he might just be being triggered mm. about, you know, finding someone else and getting married again. Um, so there were a couple incidents when we were dating that I can look back to now and, and really tell that, okay, yeah, that was something. But I'd never experienced that before. Yeah. I didn't know, like, I mean, I wasn't looking for... um what could go wrong? I was looking for all the ways. I was just ready to start a life and love him and help him heal from that traumatic experience.
0: Right. Well, and because that, especially at the beginning of a relationship, you—that's what we do. I mean, it's—it's it's hopeful. It's exciting. You're e- much more easy to forgive, you know, mm-hmm. and say, like, okay, this—we're all human. We all have issues and and his trauma, and you're just like, okay, you just kind of excuse it, and forgive it, and try again. I mean, it's such a normal part of relationships. Sure. You're doing the normal thing in relationships. Um, what What you mentioned, like, when you were dating, there were a couple of things that were like, mm, maybe those were red flags. What What was it?
1: There was one time we all went for a bike ride, and, and now created, we have, we were gonna, well, we did have four boys together, and they were um, under 12 they were between 6 and i think 10 at the time um so they were boys so we all went for a bike ride and my youngest son had um i don't remember what exactly was happening but it was something with his bike and then it was kind of like ruining the whole bike trip and he had i think purchased two bicycles to actually so they could go um him and his boys something you know major like that it was a, it was a big ordeal because we were all going to go, but it got, it was disappointing because we weren't actually able to fulfill the trip. And he'd just gotten angry and like slung a bike in the back of the truck. Um, because you know, we couldn't do anything. Um, and the rest of the day was just really weird. Mm -hmm. It just felt weird. It was was like a silent treatment. Um, then he became very critical about how I was handling, um, my youngest son, because he was kind of whining, but he was six at the time. Um, And it was to the point where, when I went home and he brought us all home, like, I didn't want to speak to him, it just felt yucky. So he came back the next day very remorseful and apologetic and, you know, explained it away. Um, And it took a lot of convincing, because I was really upset. But, you know, it was the first time that anything like that had ever happened. Mm and of course, we talked about it. And I even said, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't beat around the bush. I told him exactly what he did and exactly how it made me feel. Um, and he was, he was receptive.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that, that sort of thing, I mean, obviously we've all had types of fights similar to that, but it's like, you, that was the beginning of a pattern Yes. that you started seeing. Yes. Yeah, it's the pattern. Although I didn't see it again until we were married. I will say that. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So then, and I think that's when I interrupted you. So you said even the honeymoon, it started. Mm -hmm. What, what started, what'd you start seeing that, you know. Very
1: critical of my decisions. Um, You know, we had still had, even though we had just gotten married, we were leaving on our honeymoon. We still had plans um, to make for our children. Um, And just, it seemed like any decision that we were speaking, we were still in the middle of baseball season. So any decision about you know playing all stars or just any little thing um he just became like well what about this and what what about that and just like like I was intentionally leaving his child out um it just became very like I, have, I kept having to defend myself for things that I wasn't actually doing which is the now looking back is the entire pattern of our marriage
0: yeah defending having to defend yourself for yes. things that you weren't doing yeah are not true of me, of my
1: character, or Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. anything of that matter. That was the pattern of our relationship.
0: The blaming and and even gaslighting, things like that in there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Tell me how I feel, tell me how I think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So at what point do you feel like you started to get to a place where you felt like you had to maybe walk on eggshells or you kind of too <laughs> started soon. too soon. Yeah. Too soon. Yeah. So Looking back
1: now, I can remember feeling so, um, cause like I said, our, our, our love story was just like one for the books. We love to tell it. Um, our church was so supportive. Um, he joined our, my church that I was currently going to, or still going to, I'm sorry. Um, but it just, everybody was so supported and we would walk in, how are the newlyweds? And I remember having to like, eh, great. And we're mm-hmm. on the side, I'm dying
0: because mm-hmm. it, I'm not telling the truth because it's not great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What What do you think kept you from, um, from going to, to someone in, in that, or, or maybe you, you did. I, I don't remember the, the timeline. It's been a while, but, um, one you know I'm kind of all over the place but one you know a lot of times the abuser is so amazing to everyone else and it's so hard to believe there's no way he could be like that I mean he's such a great guy he's a great Christian he's involved in this he's a great father you're just being dramatic and you know it'll work out y'all just need to Work it yes. out, you know that sort of thing. You know, did
1: yes. you have that kind of experience? I did, but my main experience was I had never i I was stuck in a cycle of trying to figure this out. Yeah, because that's the way my brain works. I, I can't just like accept something. I have to like, what the heck is going on? I was trying to figure out if it was, you know, stuff from his past with his wife. Um, also trying to my hope, my biggest goal was to put us together as a family. So as he's off to work, I'm here with the boys, you know, teaching them things and like trying to build relationships with them. So it's like, it took a long time for me to just to fully let go of all the expectations and hopes that I had that I was truly working on to actually focus on like, this is not normal. You know what I mean? Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's that that's kind of how our our minds normally work is we want to make sense of things Yes. you know and when it comes to abuse it does not make sense (laughs) (laughs) which is why it's so traumatic because there's no place there's no file folder to put it in nice and neat you know yeah Yeah. thoughts that just keep spinning and spinning and spinning until you get an answer which
1: you never do Right. you're so fixated on trying to figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you you go through the whole thing of even looking at yourself. Well, is it something I'm doing? You know, he's obviously blaming me for everything. So maybe you know, uh, did you struggle with that?
1: Um, to an extent, and I will. I've always really looked back to try to be honest about this. I never really, I wasn't that like victim mentality very often. Of course, I'm going to, I'm very self-aware. So I I was trying to reflect on things that I could be doing differently. And now coming out of that experience, I look back and there, of course, there are things that I could have done differently. Um, But in the grand scheme of things, nothing constitutes abuse. And no matter what a female is doing, or even a male who's in that position, there's nothing that you can be doing that deserves that. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Well, and we can all in every situation grow and learn and do something, you know, do things better, you know, in any relationship, but you're right. It doesn't, it, it does not matter what you do. There's no reason, no good excuse ever for abuse in any way. Yeah. So what were some of the things that led up to you realizing, like you said, Hey, this is not right. There's something different about that. Like this isn't just, fights that couples have and you know just okay the first few years of marriage is is hard trying to figure each other out and you know just the normal things like that what was it for you that was like you know this is more than just that this might be abuse
1: just really becoming um hyper vigilant about the patterns um realizing that this is not just things that keep happening i really started to pay attention to Okay, this is day one. Everything's great. This is day two. Yeah, you know, and then it's day three of, um, and I could tell once I got to the point where I knew something was coming on that day, that's when I was like, this is not normal. And it didn't matter what it was. I could have the entire house 100% immaculate and something would be wrong when you got home. So once that became just this cyclical pattern that I could actually point out and, um, predict, yeah. That's how I knew, but it was very, very early on in the relationship, mm-hmm. uh, to where I actually did start kind of trying to reach out to certain people that I knew I could trust, um, and just kind of talking to them a little bit. Um, but disclosing abuse of like, of that matter, it's not like a one-time event. It's, you know, this, it's an entire process. Yeah. Um, so just speaking to certain people and they were within my church, just women that I've trusted, um, just telling them little bitty things and they would each have like little tidbits of things that would help. And for me to start doing, and it's just you know, kind of putting that together over a little while, uh, really, really did help. Yeah.
0: That's awesome. Well, and like you said, it you, you started, it, it started to become predictable. Which often happens, like you, you kind of know, okay, it's coming. Like there's that cycle mm-hmm. where things might be kind of somewhat calm and, you know, but it's the calm before the storm and you know, it's coming and you're walking on eggshells and, and then it it hits and then it gets calm again. It's just a, it's just a repetitive cycle. It's yes. exhausting. So exhausting. Yeah. It, it's life sucking. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and when you reached out to to different people and did you find that those that you reached out to were like understood about abuse to to be able to kind of because i know different you know obviously there's so many amazing awesome beautiful humans that you know you reach out to and they just may not understand enough about abuse to really know how to guide you in that type of relationship but they're well-meaning in how they you know, but did you, what did you find? What was your experience there? I'm actually fortunate. Um, while they
1: didn't understand abuse, the compassion that I was met with was all I needed. I didn't need somebody to teach me about abuse. I didn't need somebody to explain what was going on because I was living it. So yeah. I needed somebody that cared. And I was extremely, you. was that? And believed you. Yes. Yeah. So, and I would, they were, most of them met me with complete shock because they were, you know, we were just this big, happy couple. Everybody, like I said, we, everybody loved our love story. And so did we, um, so to tell people this, you know, six to eight weeks into our marriage, it was, it was a shock. And, but it was, it was validating for me just to have people say, whoa, like that's what's going on there. Let, let's just be careful. And, um, it's crazy because I can look back now. I started journal entries literally yeah. six weeks into our marriage because that's already how bad it had gotten. Wow.
0: Yeah. And that, you know, the journal entry thing, I would encourage a lot of people to do that if um, if you can do that safely and maybe even yes. keep it at your work or somewhere not at, at the house, you know, depending on your situation. But that can be so helpful to start seeing patterns. Yeah. And to start seeing it on paper like oh wow that's probably this probably is not okay um and also to be able to keep track of it if you need it even in court later or whatever you might need it for but um and to look back on it and say oh my oh my goodness (laughs) that yeah so that is a very important thing that you did it's good to be reminded too afterwards if you when you
1: do have that courage to finally leave because you're going to miss him, and you're going to you're gonna want to tell yourself that everything's not as bad as it was going to be, or that you think it is, and it's so good to go read those little things, because you will forget them, because it's just all one big mixture of mess. Yeah. Um, it, it was really good for me, and it's still good for me to go and be reminded of those things. Yeah. Um, I use something called journalate.com, so it's a confidential. Oh, neat. Um, Yes. So it's journal
0: and then ate.com and you, it's password protected. So. That is fantastic. Oh, that's a good resource. I didn't know about that. Awesome. Um, yeah, that is so good. So did he ever do the type of thing where, okay, well, let's try to go to therapy or let's I'll, I'll do this or, you know, anything like that? Yes. Well, I was real big on therapy. I was in
1: therapy myself leading up into the marriage It was still starting to, I was wanting to continue, but when it kind of took precedence over me going individually whenever all this started happening. So of course, you know, he would agree and, you know, one week into it, he would stop. And then, so that became a pattern of, okay, I'll go. Okay, I'm not going, okay, I'm going. It just, to where I was getting really fed up with, you know, the promises and the breaking of promises. I'm real big on that, so,
0: but. Yeah. Just kind of giving you just enough to kind of keep you hooked in. Right. Yeah. Just the bare minimum. Yeah. So when, when was your kind of breaking point where you said, okay, I'm, I'm done. I need to get out of here. What happened? So it was, it's
1: definitely because of my voice, um, the treatment that he would give towards them, just the yelling so much yelling. It's like, I could, I could take it myself, but my biggest trauma, still looking back, is having them having to endure just the weird, you know, punishments for things that they didn't didn't deserve to be punished for. The gaslighting with them, and um, you know, accusing them of different things that they weren't doing. Um, but there were, there was one incident where my boy and his boy got into like an altercation, and my son pushed his son. So of course you know, he comes in there, Oh, you want to mess with somebody your own size? And then pushes my son and just kept kind of like pushing him like little pushes like this, but it was enough just to infuriate me. Um, and that was the last day that we were there. That
0: was it. Yeah. Wow. Wow. What was it like to, to break away, to leave and how, how, what was his response? What did he do? Well, That
1: same day that that happened, our daughter was seven weeks old. So I, um, it was the first experience that she had ever been around with him completely losing his temper and yelling. And all I kept remembering was like her sweet little ears. Like I was just trying so hard to cover her little ears and just looking at her, how delicate and angelic she was and that this is not the environment that I want her in. Um, there had been you know, abusive things, before, but not the yelling. The yelling was just like, I could not tolerate it. And it was so loud that it would just vibrate your entire body. But that day, I remember um, it, it had just gotten really out of hand. It was 4th of July. We were supposed to be doing like this big cookout thing. Um, but all of this happened. And I just, I knew, I knew that was it. Once I started to push my son and then yelling in front of her, just this mama bare instinct inside of me was just like, This is it. I cannot do this anymore. And this is only 15 minutes, I mean, 15 months into our marriage literally, 15 months. Like, uh, yeah, felt like 15 years. But I think he knew too because that's whenever he really started to react. He took my cell phone from me. Um, he went and took some kind of, I, I thought at the time it was the battery, but it's some, I think it was like the starter something out of my car so I couldn't leave. Mm. Um, took my keys. So It just got really, really intense. So, um, I had to actually text my mom from one of the kids' iPads to call 911. So eventually, the police became uh, police came. It was felt like forever, but when they escorted us out, um, that's when I met with um, Rachel. A couple days later, just to talk with her, and she actually connected me with you, um, and it kind of went from there. But I've always told people. That was, yes, that was one of the most courageous things I've ever had to do, but at the time it was led by anger and it was enough to motivate me to leave. So while it takes courage to leave, it also takes so many resources to stay gone. And that's where I just, I can't encourage people enough to be those resources to people because you have no idea how much it means.
0: Yeah, absolutely. To, like you said, to stay gone because, and you know, and I want you to speak the, to this too, because it, you get pulled back mm-hmm. and, and uh, it, naturally, you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of women that, I, that I've talked to beat themselves up over going back and continuing to go back. I, I cannot tell you how common that is. That mm-hmm. is just, so common. No shame in that, please. Because if you think about it, you, I mean, there's a million different reasons why you either, you either stay or stay too long or keep going back or whatever. Um, but one of the biggest is that you love this person, you married this person, or you've in this relationship with this person and you've, you've seen how they can be. You've seen that that the goodness in that person and there's, there's still that hope there that you so desperately want to just hold on to like, okay, if we just try maybe this, or let's just do this or, you know, and which is just so natural and normal for 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 humans who just love and compassion and forgiveness and let's try this i want this to work for us for our kids for our future it's just not that easy just to completely cut off and run sometimes you can but a lot of times you can't and then sometimes just either financially i mean just feasibly sometimes you can't sometimes you don't have those resources so there's so many So what you said as far as like really being able to stay gone or stay um, cut off from that person is, is very, is very hard and it's understandable. What was that like for you? Just the the push and pull? Like how did he try to get you back into it? Mm
1: Well, many times, and and I and it did suck me in. I never actually went back physically, but we had many many episodes of where we were, you know, speaking romantically, like we used to love each other. We're gonna, you know, work on this for many 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 times. Yep. I couldn't bear to go back, um, physically, just because of my love for my boys. If it had just been me, mm-hmm. I would have gone back many times. And it's, I always try to to explain to you that. And it's not just that, okay? Because that's the number one question people ask. Well, why do you keep going back? Like, what do you? I mean, once somebody abuses me, I'm gone. Well, if you've never been there, you don't understand it. And it's—he wasn't. Even if he was physically harming me, but he wasn't. It was—it was, it was mental and emotional, and those types of things seem you want to have more compassion for because I know that it stems from pain within him, or you know, from a dysfunctional childhood within him. So knowing that about people, plus just the love that I have for people in general, it's really difficult just to be like, okay, well, oh well. Yes.
0: Yeah, like you don't, you feel like you've been up on him. You don't want to give up on him. Yes, yeah.
1: yes. But the biggest issue that I had of just cutting clean was I, I had to realize that I wasn't just grieving him. I was grieving the hopes that I had, the life that I wanted, the expectations that I wanted, the family that I wanted, the life for my daughter that I wanted. Um, I mean, I, that's not what I wanted for her at all. And here we have this sweet little girl born into our family, and it's this is not what I wanted for her. So that was my biggest tug and pull, and um, the fact of, of not ever even if it was an hour a day of not being a part of her, of her having to leave my life and go have a different life without me was by far and still is the biggest struggle that I have
0: Mm. at
1: the time. That was what kept me
0: attached. Yeah. Which is, is, yeah. I mean, that's, you don't know when you're in that situation. You know, I used to say years ago, Oh, Oh, it's so be out. I'm not going to take that, not, you know, um, but it, it's just you with, with kids. And even if you don't have kids, you know, it's, you, you love that person and you, you're invested in, and in the hopes and the future, like you said, just all of that, all of that has to be grieved. Yeah. Um, so what, what was it then within you where you, finally did cut it off completely and say, okay, we are moving forward in divorce. This is done.
1: I will say, and I'm so glad that it happened this way, that I had people hover around me literally um, from the day that I left and were there for me 1000% and encouraged me to reach out to all different resources that I had um, and that it was okay to ask for help but I'm so glad that one, I went the very next day and filed a restraining order because that kept me away. Even when I wanted to speak to him yeah. and he kept me safe, but it also served that purpose as well. And I'm also glad that I acted very quickly in filing for divorce, um, because that didn't let my emotions, um, kind of get in the way. I did what was best for us immediately. And yes, it made him extremely angry, but, him being angry at me also kept him away from me because I didn't want to have anything to do with him when he was acting irrationally. Yeah. So I'm glad that I made choices very quickly. Um, not It's not always the best thing to do to act like, you know, but in this case for me, it was. Um, so I'm very also, I mean, I'm, I enrolled in school immediately. I went back to school because I was like, okay, I got to you know, take care of my family now. Um, I have a wonderful family who was very supportive and helped me get through school. So um, the more that I had people around me and the more that more educated I became as well, I had a prior education, but not like the one I have now, um, is the biggest thing that helped me heal and actually stay gone. Um, the more truth that I had, what was going on, and the more logic that I could put together to realize that, you know, none of this stuff has any power whatsoever because it's all, it's not even real. Yeah. But you said your experience, like you go through, it's based on false stuff. Like it's not even real. It's incredible
0: how much power it can have. It's amazing. It yeah. is. The whole, the whole gaslighting and mental abuse is, is su- su- such a psychological cluster. You know, it's just like, um, it really distorts your reality 100% to think that that this is how it is. And this is real. And then when you get out from underneath that toxicity mm-hmm. and you get to breathe and you, you start hearing the truth from your friends and other people and um, you start to breathe and you, the fog lessons, you're like, Oh my goodness. yes, Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. And I, you know, abstract idea that's
1: not even you know based on truth.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, going back to when you said, you know, you just got angry. Mm -hmm. I honestly believe that anger is such a good emotion to have in times like this, because anger moves us to action. And, and it it is um it can be a protective thing you know a lot of people see it as is that and it's it's not it can be used in that way for sure but when you get you get angry and you start to get um protective over yourself and your family like this is not right and it it just moves you to action absolutely. right and so you know tap into the anger <laughs> absolutely to to help you get motivated to to move towards truth you know Um, because you won't stay in that anger but it'll help you move out into into the truth to where you can get free and
1: healing yes 100 Mm percent. and like you said i've I've met a lot of people who have a lot of guilt and shame carried with you know the anger that they feel but you know if it's used for the right purposes um it's there's no shame in it you know it's a god-given emotion and it obviously has a purpose
0: yeah Absolutely. Well, what um, you you did, you went back to school and tell everyone what you're, what you're turning your pain into purpose that you're, <laughs> what you went back to school for.
1: Well, I originally thought I was just going to go back and get my r because I'd already been working in the medical field for seven, eight years, loved it. And I even remember thinking like, Ooh, a year and a half, that's going to take a long time. <laughs> So here I am going into my fifth year, um, I've almost got my LPC to, um, I got a psychology degree and then now i am got one more year left of grad school to get my LPC um, for counseling and it's crazy to even think about, you know, the fact that I'm still
0: in school. <laughs> yeah, I know, but I mean, that is just, I, I'm. it just makes me so happy, obviously, because this is what I do. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, I just, I get so giddy just knowing how much you're going to help so many people and just how that whole process has probably helped your own healing. Oh, as yes. Wow. Well. You truth, know. Truth, 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 truth. Truth, truth. Yes. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, well, what, you know. What was it like that just kind of the divorce process, sharing, sharing custody, y'all's baby girl. Woo. I mean that in and of itself, you know, what, sharing your baby with an abuser and it still makes my skin crawl
1: every time that she leaves. Um, still I can hear the shakiness in my voice, just talking about it. Um, it is by far the most excruciating thing I've ever been through and still going through, Obviously, you know, I cope with it better. I will say that he is a great father to her. Um, many 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 prayers have been said there um, also what has you know kind of well'll have to backtrack for a minute it 's also kept me in a trap too though, and I have to catch myself of um, because I want to be a part of her life so much that will I will agree to you know let's let 's meet at the beach and have do fireworks for Fourth of July, which turns into you know, maddening or chaos again. Um, and I have fallen into that trap several times into where I've had to just finally um, cut that off completely too. So it is definitely a roller coaster. Um, the first divorce process, uh, when we first got divorced was, it was okay because the first seven months he was only getting supervised visits. Um, and that was not because of the abuse, but because I did a surprise drug test on him which bought me time. Thank God. Um, So I didn't actually have to share her until she was about eight, eight months old. Um, And then it went to, I think, uh, I don't remember. It it didn't go straight to every other weekend the way it is now. Um, But that's the way it is now. Um, I had many, many panic attacks, (laughs) especially when she first started to leave. That was my first experience ever with panic attacks. Don't wish those upon anyone. Yeah. Um, Just, I actually got involved with a nonprofit whenever she first started going um, back to, or going on weekends with her. And me serving other people is the only thing that actually got me through the process of her leaving. Um, I just, I got lucky to where I can go work an entire weekend and stay over there. So I never had to see my empty house or her little sock laying around that would trigger me um and put, pouring myself into other people is what got me through the hardest time of having to share custody with her um but now it's you know schoolwork keeps me busy but it's it's a little bit it'll never be easy
0: yeah. but it I can cope with it a lot more yeah, now having the panic attacks like you were and yeah um, The intensity is a little bit less, but it's still unbelievably hard. Yeah. what, What was it that, and I love that you got involved with helping others. I mean, that is one of the biggest things that it can be one of the hardest things to do is like when you're, when you're, you have anxiety or depression or just, it's so hard to get outside of yourself, but it is literally one of the best things you can do for it's, yourself in your mood and for it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: and it was so, there were so many times I didn't want to go but as soon as I would get there it was just like thank you I'm so glad that I'm here
0: yeah um, yeah it's hard to explain it but it's it was awesome was good what what was it that you thought mm, let me drug test this guy <laughs> <laughs>
1: I, I don't even honestly remember but I'm so glad that I did yeah <laughs> Um, I think it was more of like from just the whole time in our marriage, I just would have be suspicious about things, but of course, you know, you wouldn't dare confront him. Um, and I was just, hung. I needed to know what the heck was going on. Like mm-hmm. I had to have answers for myself just so I could rest. Um, mm-hmm. otherwise it was just the spitting thing of thoughts constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, part of it. Really shocked me though, and that it came back. And one part of it did it, but another
0: part of it did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Really yeah. So, um, and, you know, a lot of times people think okay, well, this is just, a, you know, an anger issue because of their past or because, or whatever, or it is just the drugs, you know, up and down, or maybe bipolar, you know, and, and all of that could be true. I, you know, obviously every situation is different. There, all of those things are, are legit, but I think, and, and maybe you can speak that to this too, but when it comes to abuse, you may have drugs involved, but it is separate right? That the, the abuse is regardless of the drugs. It's regardless of trauma. It's regardless of anger. It's a pattern. It's cyclical. It's um, it will only get worse. Like you saw, I mean, when you were trying to leave, he literally, there's, there's honestly a part of me that, that feels that physical abuse, um, when you keep someone from leaving, Oh, yes. I believe that's physical abuse because what you're doing is you're physically restraining them without touching them. So it's a little bit of a blurred line there with the physical, but it, it is. I mean, you you are, I'm taking your phone. You cannot call for safety. I'm taking, you know, your keys or whatever. You're not going to leave, you know, so it only escalates. It only gets worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so go ahead. Yes. Well, that that
1: happened many. Not as bad as that, but that happened several times where he just wouldn't let me out of a room um, because you know he wasn't done yelling for another two hours. (laughs) Um, And that, one hundred percent, is one of the biggest like the something that triggers me now. Is if you know I can't get out basically. Um, And to me, that was you know one of the one of the worst things. I would literally have a panic attack right there in front of him um, because I couldn't leave and it was you know what can you do you're at his mercy
0: yeah such a vulnerable place to be so scary and what would you say maybe just to maybe some things that happened that he did that um people wouldn't normally think oh that's abusive you know was there anything spiritually or psychologically or even you know even sexually you know sometimes people Um, You know, don't realize that there's such a thing as marital rape, first of all, you know, and um, that just because you're married to the person doesn't mean that person can just do whatever they want to with your body, you know, so there's just different things. And then the spiritual abuse, you can, can look like throw in the, the verse of, you know, well, the wife's supposed to submit to me, and so you're supposed so. to, do it, you know, that whole thing that's okay. out of context, and just all those sorts of things, but what, is there anything specific that you were like, mm-hmm. this, this is, this is abuse? Um, it
1: was, let me, let me think on that for a second. I was very fortunate to not ever have the, you know, the sexual part of it. Um, I did not experience anything like that. Um, The main thing was just constantly telling me who I am, what I think, how I feel. Mm -hmm. And it was always 1000% completely opposite of my true character, Mm -hmm. Um, but also trying to speak so, Disrespectfully about my children, about how I raised them, um, about who they are and how they act, about my family, about my closest friends who I know have just, you know, pure, lovely hearts, um, just constantly putting me down for anything and everything. Yeah. Um, and I just knew it wasn't true. And I'm so thankful that I was so grounded in my identity. You know, that was just of all the work that I put into before getting married. Otherwise, I could have gotten, I would have fell victim to that very much so, um, which makes it even harder. But knowing who I was before was extremely helpful in giving me um, something to stand on, you know, and and not fall victim to him telling me who I am. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But just constantly, when I got to the point too of, I would look around to find anything and everything possible that he could possibly twist and turn around um for that day that's when I knew that it was like this is exhausting and this is yeah, not yeah. right I should not be thinking about how you can possibly twist something that is normal right here and twist it into something that is bad like this is like <laughs> I'm tired yeah 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 yeah, yeah. So, yeah that was the biggest thing that I experienced, um, which well, is can just, hard to recognize too.
0: For sure. And it can really wear on your self-esteem and just chip away at you. And so I think, I love that you were, you had that foundation beforehand, um, which honestly I think is, is, so important for for all of us to kind of really work on our identity and who we know to be you know who we are you know especially before we get into relationships so that we know you know that i mean that that goes a long way for a lot of different things for sure Mm -hmm. what would you say to to people maybe listening now who are in a situation similar to yours what what was helpful for you? What would you advice would you give to anyone listening?
1: Um, several things actually. Um, I had very early on um, the counselor that I had been seeing up until my marriage that were just working on things with me, when I started to kind of tell her about the little things that were happening and she asked me something that just really resonated with me. She said, how much are you willing to take? Like where is, where's the line that you're going to draw when this, something like this happens and then what are you going to do about it? So it's like, we played something out in my mind and I knew exactly when this happened and what I was going to do about it. And it did happen. And it happened. Um, I've I told her at the time, you know, I had no idea what, I could name a thousand things now, but at the time I was like, well if you have put your hands on me and she said, okay. And then what are you going to do? So I said, I'm gonna call the police. So while in my mind, I'm thinking hands on me, like he's going to hit me, push me, something like that. But there was one incident where we were um, yelling at me basically, and I was trying to ignore him and I had the remote in my hand because I was, you know, trying to pretend like I was watching TV, <laughs> but he literally grabbed my wrist to yank the remote out of my hand. And this is probably three months into our marriage. And in my mind, I heard her voice, how much are you going to take? Mm. And so he put his hands on me. So I called the police while of course he thought I was absolutely nuts because you're really going to call the police because I took the remote out of your hand. I said, no, you grabbed my wrist and I'm not okay with it. You put your hands on me. That's all I kept saying. You put your hands on me and the police came. So I filed a report. No, I didn't press charges, but it was in. Now we had a report
0: started
1: and we had two more reports following that. Um, But just to know that when am I going to put my foot down? was extremely um,
0: important. Yeah, that is so, that is so good. You know, what, where's your line? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and a lot of times it is, it's like, well, if I get a black eye, or if he, you know, it, sometimes for a lot of people, it has to be very evident for them to be able to see it on right. their body. Or with their kid you know and I I get that I get that Um, but the damage that emotional abuse has is just as much if not even more um, than physical I mean they're they're all I mean it's all horrific you know and so just encouraging any of you listening that you know Don't you don't have to wait for that. You don't have to wait until it escalates to that point where there's there's physical violence. It just the verbal, emotional, psychological abuse is enough, is more than enough to say, you know what, I don't I do not have to stand for this. Yeah. You don't. You just do not have to stand for this. And I know that obviously is a lot easier said than done just sitting here saying that, but there's, um, your line can be at, at the first, I mean, you can, you know, you don't, it doesn't have to be all the way at, at the physical. And, um, yeah, I mean, but I love that you did that. And not only that, but that you planned, okay, when this happens, this is what I'm going to do. Yes. And, it, and it wasn't even like, obviously, okay, the police didn't carry him away or anything, but I'm sure that that was empowering for
1: you. It absolutely was. Yeah. It sent a message to him too. And yeah. now, I and now I, I'm very aware that you know, there's some abusers who would not tolerate that, and things would get worse. I mean, you have to know your situation. Um, not to say that I want you to live in fear. I mean, it is possible to get out of physical violence as well. But you also have to know what. I mean, you have to be able to tell where your yeah deep is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, and while I felt so silly just calling the police because my, my husband took the remote out of my hand, but it was, you know, he twisted my wrist and it wasn't okay. And while he thought I was absolutely ridiculous, um, I'm, I really firmly believe that if I had not called the police about that, that things would have kept getting more and more in that area um, because that's what happened. I mean, it just keeps stretching your boundaries Further and further and further to where you don't even know where the boundaries are anymore yeah. because it is, it's just a cycle.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I'm just, I'm so thankful that you're willing to talk about this and um, and I know you've just, you've learned so much, not just from your experience but from what you're learning at school and just being able to help so many people. Um, it's, it's everywhere, sadly. And I think, you know, people feel so, you can feel so alone in it that Mm -hmm. it's, this is so, there's such a lonely thing. It's such a lonely feeling thing. One, because a lot of people you feel like may not believe you because he's so great on the outside to everybody else. That's a big Mm -hmm. thing. But there's also a lot of shame in it and embarrassment right and it's just hard to reach out and it just feels so lonely i promise you though if you see, just know this just knowing the statistics right you sit in a restaurant or you go to church or you anywhere you are you look to the right or to the left somebody's in the same position it's yes. not prevalent and i couldn't
1: believe after this how i couldn't believe how prevalent it was in my church yeah i never thought about it i've never thought but and i wouldn't have actually there's women that told me that I would have had a really difficult time even believing if I had not lived it. Um, so it's, I can't stress that enough. How much if somebody's you know coming to you telling you about it, they're not lying. There's no, no reason to make something like this up. They're not dramatic. They're not looking for attention. They're looking for help and they're looking for guidance and for validation. Yeah. Um, and it's, I cannot tell you, I was trying to remind you before this, but, um, just how pivotal you were, Liza, <laughs> mm-hmm. and getting me out of this situation. Um, I was just, you not only with, well, of course with Rachel too, but like I tell everyone that little chat that we had, text messaging was everything. It was my lifeline. Mm-hmm. And the fact that y'all would kind of take turns, just, you know, how are you right now and it it was every hour at some times but it was necessary like it is such an emotional roller coaster that when I told you an hour ago when you checked on me could be completely opposite of how I was how I am right now when you're checking on me mm-hmm. and just to have that and know that I could even text you and just even if it's something I'm feeling or a question to have um y'all were there and I it was it literally was my lifeline and I i know without a doubt that I could not have gotten out of this or through this I should say without
0: you two. um, So I'm crying because I just remember it and I just I'm so proud of where you are and I'm trying not to cry (laughs) but it's it was a fight it was a fight and you did it it's it's still
1: the hardest thing Um, definitely has gotten easier but it's you, if you can get out of this and you can get through this <laughs> <do> Girl. <laughs> the possibilities are endless. Like there's little things that come my way and I'm just like, Oh, that's nothing. <laughs> yes. yeah. it Make you the strongest person you never thought you could even ever be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's something that, you know, at first I would feel so silly just to even admit that like, yeah, I'm, oh, I was very courageous, but now it's like, It's okay to say that, because it's true. (laughs) 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 It's, it's, It's incredibly difficult, but it's not impossible. But it's also not just for the viewers who are going through this, but the viewers who are going to experience someone else who is, who's going to come to you, and you're going to be like, I don't know what to do. It is so incredibly important just to walk with someone, not that initial meeting, but to literally hold... Just side by side, lock arms with them, and walk them through that hardest part. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't—it's not very. I mean, it doesn't take you know forever to do that, but it is crucial. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse yeah. me. We um that hashtag that we had the because uh, I would share stories with y'all just because it was my way of processing. Like, look what he did today. <laughs> Your <laughs> the hashtag that we have was making me laugh all the time. We y'all put um, abuse for dummies. <laughs>
0: I completely forgot about that hashtag of these for dummies. Yes. Yes. It, just that happened that little
1: bit of humor though, but y'all were there and you listened and you validated me and it was, um,
0: it was everything. It was. That's so awesome. good. I'm so glad. I'm so thankful for where you are. And I just hope this gives so much hope to so many who are listening that um, it's doable there's hope, you can do it. Um, reach out, do not be afraid to reach out to people and, and get your team around you to to help pull you through it, for sure. Ashley, thank you so much again for being willing to talk. I, I so appreciate it.
1: I'm honored
0: to be here. I wanna say one last thing to Hi.
1: the women who don't think that they can do this. Um, do not accept your brokenness as your destiny mm-hmm. because there are so many moments where you feel like you just literally, how in the world can I even come out of this pit? And you can, you're not destined to be broken forever and healing is possible.
0: Yes. Amen. Oh, so good. <laughs> All right. I'm going to dry my tears now and, <laughs> and I appreciate everyone who listens and thank you again, Ashley. Thank you, Liza, for having me.